We're going to be starting a new series uh, today in, in 1 John. And uh, let me introduce uh, the first John to you as a book before we, we jump into it. Um, after, after the day of Pentecost, uh, when the Holy Spirit fell, the church was established and the apostles began to travel and to teach people the things that Jesus had taught them. They were uh, obedient to the Great Commission, go into all the world and, and uh, preach the gospel and tell them the things I've told you and, and those kinds of things. So the apostles began to do that actively. And it didn't take long uh, for people, for a variety of reasons, uh, they began to disagree with the apostles' teaching and they began to teach different ideas, uh, different things. And, it, and, and in many places, in many instances, the church began to be led astray. Uh, that was no longer, uh, it was get, becoming convoluted. Like, what did Jesus say? What are we supposed to? What are the apostles? And, and those kinds of things. And almost every single New Testament writer uh, deals with this in their letters. Let me show you a few examples so that you, you, you can see this. In 1 Galatians chapter 1, Paul writes this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So, Paul's saying to the church in Galatia, hey, uh, what, what they're teaching you is, is, is rubbish. He also writes to Timothy and encouraging Timothy as a, as a young leader and pastor, he says to this in uh, 1 Timothy 6, 20 through 21, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and in, and in so doing have departed from the faith. So uh, he's re- really referring to the, the Greeks and the Gnosticism and the elevation of knowledge over faith. And he's saying, hey, uh, some people are grabbing onto this stuff and it's completely opposite uh, uh, of, of faith. And then um, in Romans chapter 16 verses 17 through 18 he writes this I urge you brothers and sisters to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned keep away from them and so uh, you can read the entire chapter of 2nd Corinthians 11 it deals with false teachers and false teachings that are out there so Paul uh, writes prolifically uh, about all of the t- false teachings and stuff and says, hey, you need to be on guard of this. Peter as well. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't finish verse 18. Uh, Such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Uh, Peter, in Second Peter 2, verse 3, says this, and really the whole chapter of chapter 2, I was really looking for just one verse I could pull out, but you should read the whole chapter. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. 
It's a very harsh chapter. If you ever uh, go through and read it, his talk about the false teachers and what God has prepared for them uh, is, is scary. It's one of those chapters when I feel like preaching what I feel like preaching, I read and I go, no, 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 God, I'm going to only preach what, you, <laughs> what we are supposed to preach because I don't want that happening to me. Uh, when you really look at the book of James, really the entire book of James is very direct on how a believer should act. And it's almost as if he, it seems to be responding it feels like the Holy Spirit's in this house, right? It's just, it's like the whole building shakes and... Um, if you're a skier, that's a, that's, a, that's a very scary noise because that... Anyway. Uh, James seems to be responding uh, to a culture that needs direct, this is how a believer should and shouldn't be. He doesn't go in there and uh, directly attack false teachers, but his clarity and directness really indicate... Uh, something and so we see these uh, these these writers of the New Testament uh, regularly addressing these these false doctrines and these uh, this convoluted hey this isn't people are leading you astray for different reasons and and uh, it's in this context that John writes First John and look at two verses in First John just so you can know that this is what John is in. In chapter 2, verse 26, he says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. I mean, that's pretty direct, right? John's like, hey, I'm writing these things to you because people are trying to lead you astray, and I don't want you led astray. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so, John writes this, his, his letter of 1 John uh, to remind people of the simple truths of the Christian faith. He recognizes that, hey, right now there are a lot of people out there teaching a lot of things and a, a lot of it isn't good. It's leading people away from the truth and the simplicity of the gospel and the Christian faith. And so, um, I mean, they've heard all kinds of teachings. Uh, they're probably, I can assume that maybe uh, true believers who heard, they're, they're confused. Well, what's true? What's not true? What am I supposed to follow? What am I not supposed to follow? Maybe some of them are, are unknowingly drifting away from the simple faith of following Christ. Um, and and I, have to, I have to say that as I read these things, I was like, wow, not much has changed. Right? Right? There are people teaching all sorts of things about Jesus Christ today. I mean, you just do a simple Google search of who is Jesus, and you're going you're gonna to get all kinds of responses of, of what people write, books they've published, opinions they have, and they're teaching all kinds of things. Let me pause here and remind you that Jesus told us this would happen. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he predicted before he, before he ascended into heaven, hey, this is going to happen. Many false teachers are going to arise and try to lead you astray. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so, so Jesus told us this would happen, and I see it clearly, and I'm sure you do today. So we're going to spend the next six weeks or so between now and Easter, which, by the way, Easter is seven weeks away, just, hey, 
Spring is around the corner. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we're going to spend the next six weeks or so going through 1 John and discover the gospel that the apostles taught. Okay? We're going to discover the gospel that the apostles taught. Not what Dr. So-and-so from this university teaches us today. Or, or not so-and-so enlightened one from so-and-so prophecy, prophecy whatever is teaching us today. And now I'm not saying any of those are bad, wrong. I'm not criticizing any of those people. I'm saying, hey, let's look at what the apostles said was the gospel. And let's go from there. So today we're going to start in 1 John chapter 1. And there's, a, there's a, also a reason we're doing this is I want you to be able to learn in, as you read scripture and, and march through it and see how things connect. You know, I'm a, I'm, I told Pastor Sean this, I'm really a topical preacher. I, I, God speaks about an issue, something needs to be addressed. We go into scripture, we find what God has to say about that, I share it to you. Um, I don't often go through just systematically through a book in the Bible, but it's necessary because we need to learn how things connect and, and, and so on and so forth. So, the good thing is this, if I forget to say at the end, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 today, and next week we're going to pick it up in verse 5. So you'll know the next week, hey, next week they're going to be preaching on the next section. So let's read um, 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which was, I'm, going to, I'm reading from the NIV. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, you may read this and go, what is John talking about? You know, there's just all these pieces, and we're going we're gonna to break that down today. So first, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. So what John is saying is, he has heard with his own eyes, he has seen with his own eyes, he has touched with his own hands, and he's looked at. Now, that, I was like, what? He just said he saw with his own eyes. He's repeating, I looked at. Like, why do you have to say it twice, John? Well, this is an example for us of where the English language and the Greek language don't have the same word. And, and in the English language, we don't have a single word to describe what John is communicating here. Okay? So what he's saying is that word looked at, some, some, uh, some Bible translations might say gazed upon or beheld. What he's saying is it's to view attentively and contemplate. So John actually, I think more than any other writer in the New Testament, uses this word. And it really means a seeing in order to understand. Okay? For instance, as you just saw the, the video this week, um, Jessica ordered, not ordered, she ordered 
coffee too, but she organized coffee and muffins and whatnot for the fire department across the street on behalf of the church and the school. And what I thought was love, lovely, she put a note on it each day, just thanking them and whatnot. And, and she put this note, th- these words on the note, we see you. We see you. How many know that what she's communicating to them is more than just, hey, you're across the street, we see you? Right? She's communicating something different. Although we do see, it means more than eyesight. It's meant, hey, we know what you're doing. We recognize your sacrifices. We understand the commitment that you are working through. And we, 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 we've reflected on and we appreciate and we, we see you. You have not escaped us. That's the sea that John is talking about here. I looked upon him. I understand what he's about. I've, I've, I've reflected on, I've contemplated I've, his, in fact, that word is in, in the Greek is actually used to speak of the theater. It's somebody who sits in the seat and observes everything the theater has with their sight and the sounds and the storyline, and they, and they take it all in and they reflect on it and it impacts them. That's, the, that's what the meaning of that word is. And so John is saying, listen, I've heard with my own ears I've seen with my own eyes, I've, I've touched with my own hands, and I have beheld, I have, I have he's, he's affected me. What is John saying? What is John saying here? He's saying, I'm an eyewitness. And for those of you who are, are in the Wednesday Bible study, John is saying, I am a primary source. I was there. I heard Jesus. I saw Jesus. I, 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 I know all things. He, I didn't just hear the stories from others, and I'm kind of co- making a collection of teachings based on the stories I, I heard from others. Um, I, I, I didn't just attend a few conferences and sit in the back row and kind of heard these things, but I'm a, I'm a primary source of information. I was there. I know what I'm talking about. I am qualified and I can speak with authority on the following things. That's what John is saying here in this first verse. I've touched, I've heard, I've seen, I understand. And so now what I'm about to tell you is firsthand knowledge, right from the horse's mouth, which how many know is the best kind, right? In, in Bible school, they teach us there's primary sources and secondary sources, and, and, and a primary source is, is somebody who was there and, and was an eyewitness account or lived in the society and wrote about it. There was first-hand knowledge. And then second, secondary sources are people who investigated. So it would, be the, it would be the equivalent of a secondary source would be talking to the investigator of a crime scene to get your information. Like They know what they're talking about because they've investigated it, but they weren't there. Right? There's a difference. And John is saying, hey, I'm there. Now, I kind of let the cat out of the bag. I wasn't supposed to, but what or who is John talking about? He says, these things I'm about to talk to you about, I was, I've been there. 
So what things? What are you talking about John? And we just said 1 John 1 start off with that which was from the beginning. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Who is he referencing here? He's referencing Jesus Christ. Right? And in this referencing of Jesus Christ, what claim is he making about Jesus? That which was from the beginning. Jesus was from the beginning? The beginning of what? The beginning of all time. That which was he that which was from the beginning this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's saying that which was from the beginning. And now look at, let's look at verse 2. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to you to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So he hasn't used the word Jesus in here, but he is talking about Jesus. And so he's saying, that which was from the beginning, that was the word of life. He's saying here, and we proclaim to you that not only is it the word of life, the eternal life, which was with the Father has appeared to us. What is he saying about Jesus Christ? Well, he's saying he was, has always been. He was front in the beginning. Right? He's saying he is the, the word, the word of life. Not only is he the word of life, he is the eternal life, and that he is, has been with the Father. He's these four things, and he appeared to us. Basically, what John is saying, and what he's referencing, is very similar to his first gospel, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Right? We've, we've read this in 1 John 1, and, and the Word was God. <gasps> Scandalous. This Jesus Christ was in the beginning. He was with God. He was the Word. And guess what? He is God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And then in verse 14, he says this, that word, the word of life, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John is referencing here Jesus Christ. And what is the claim that John is making about Jesus Christ. That he is God. He's, he's part of the Godhead. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not in here yet. That comes later. 
but he is God. He was there in the beginning. He, through him, all things were made. He, he's been with the Father the whole time. He's the, the light and the life of all mankind. And he's come to earth and made flesh. So he's fully God and fully man. Why is this important? This is important because this is the foundational truth of our faith. All of the Gospels establish this about Jesus. Every single one writes in a way that Jesus is God. Okay? They point to things like his virgin birth, his sinless life, his miracles, his own testimony about himself, the fulfillment of prophecy, the resurrection from the dead, the ascension to heaven. They're constantly pointing to things that are beyond human to prove and show that Jesus isn't just man, he is God as well. One of those examples in Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 33, this is familiar to you. Uh, the angel is talking to Mary, and he says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. So far, nothing out of the ordinary, right? He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How does any ruler rule a people forever if you're not God? It's not possible. You say, well, you can rule them until you die. But a forever means he's not going to die. He is Forever, And of course, we know that Mary goes on and asks, how will this be? I'm, I'm a virgin. And so the Holy Spirit explains it to him. Here's the, here's the point I'm trying to make. All of Christianity hangs on the truth that Jesus Christ was and is God. Okay? Um, the whole uh, Jesus is God. You can't escape it. Paul writes about this and illustrates it in this. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that, the ra that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all pe people most to be pitied. You see, if, there is, if Jesus is not God, then there is no forgiveness of sins. If Jesus is not God, then there's no reconciliation with God. 
If Jesus is no God, then there's no resurrection after death for you and for me. If Jesus is not God, then there's no future hope of glory or there's no future heaven where he's gone to prepare a place. And if Jesus is not God, there is no difference from, from Christianity than any other religion. They're all just man's constructs of, what we, of morality and, and all the other kinds of things. If Jesus is not God. Everything that we believe, everything that we do, everything about our Christian faith hangs on this one truth that Jesus is God. But we know that Jesus Christ is God. My question this morning is this, do you know this and do you believe this? Because this truth is under attack ferociously. Because we're not the only ones who realize our entire faith hangs on this truth. People who don't believe know this as well. And if they can take away your belief in this, then then it's, it's a house of cards. Everything comes tumbling down. It's critical. Uh, it, it's a truth that we need to, to know in our heart, our soul, and our mind. Meaning, we need to be able to understand it here. We need to, we need to believe it here. That Jesus Christ uh, is fully man and fully God. That's the, the big theological word is incarnate. He, he, he's, he was God made flesh. Came here. And we need to be able to respond to those who doubt or disagree. You see, I, I grew up in church and I never doubted if Jesus was God or not. But if somebody put up a, an argument or they said, I don't believe, I think Jesus was just a good moral teacher, okay, that, you, you believe that if you want. I don't know how to address that. Or worst case scenario, which is happening in a lot of our college insti- uh, secular colleges, is a, a, a well-articulated professor stands up and and gives these what he believes are reasons why Jesus was not God, and we, and, and the poor student goes, he must be right. And so it's important for you, and for me to understand this truth before we go anywhere in learning anything else about the Bible, because otherwise, then this is just this is just religious. Uh, we should, if we don't believe this, we should. We should disband, sell the building, go do something more fun on Sundays. Really. If Jesus is not God, uh, we are wasting our time here today. We'll just, we'll just maybe, maybe knock a wall to the kitchen. We can create a social event. We can serve food on Sunday mornings. We can hang out because we're friends. We like each other. But, but we just have to dismiss this nonsense about, about religion and whatnot. We just will become a social club. If Jesus is not God, but Jesus is God. It's the game changer. It's the reason why we explore everything in, in, in Christianity and why we do what we do and why we're so passionate about what we're passionate about is because Jesus Christ is God. I want to show you a few things to help you understand this truth because you might be sitting there this morning going, I... I just think he's God because every pastor has always told me. 
And the Bible says it, so, so let me show you a few things. First and foremost, which is the most important thing to understand, is Jesus identified himself as God. John 8, 58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, you might not know what all of that means, but I am was the, the word for God for the Hebrews. They weren't even allowed to say it. And so he's addressing uh, these, the, the Hebrew, the Jewish people, and he says, listen, before Abraham was even born, I was there. I'm God. And he goes on and on, even at his trial, when they're trying to, uh, they have false witnesses there, and he's remaining silent, and this, this is getting dragged out, and finally the, the ruler just says, listen, tell us plainly, are you the Son of God? And Jesus says, yep, I am. He even says it to Pilate, when Pilate pulls him aside. Multiple times within Scripture it records, Jesus instructs and tells people that he is God which is critical for us to understand. You say, why is that so critical, Pastor Steve? I think C.S. Lewis writes the best. So many people quote it. You can't call Jesus a great moral teacher if he claims to be God and he's not. He's only one of three things. Somebody who claims they're God is one of three things. They're either a liar, they're either a lunatic, or their Lord, or their God. There's only one of three options you have. So we can't say that Jesus was a good moral teacher, but was a liar. Because you can't be a good moral teacher if you're a liar. And who wants to listen to a crazy person? He was a lunatic. He thought he was God. You know. So he, he's either God, but we can't, we can't say he was a good moral teacher. It it can't be in our vocabulary. Because if he wasn't God, then he was a liar or a lunatic, which doesn't make him a good moral anything. The second thing we need to look at here is that the apostles that traveled with him identified with him as God. Matthew 16, 16, Jesus was asking them, who do people say I am? And, And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then uh, in 2 Peter 1.1, when Peter's writing his own uh, uh, letters, it says this, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God, of our God and Savior Jesus, so he's our, hey, this guy that I followed, he is not only God, but he's our Savior as well. So Peter's identifying him as God. I love this next, uh, n- this next argument. Um, so we see that Jesus identified himself as God. The apostles identified himself as God. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through every apostle because that would, it's redundant. You can, you can do your own research. In John chapter 7, verse 5, it records this. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So he had this following of disciples and they all believed He was the Son of God, and they encourage him to go out and preach because anybody who wants to be a public figure needs to be out in the public. And they they throw this in here. His own brothers didn't believe in him. You say, ha ha, 
well, that should be vindication right there. Well, now let's look at James chapter 1, verse 1. James, by the way, is the brother of Jesus. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, how many of you in here have a, a sibling you grew up with, a brother or sister? This is, a, this is a point that Andy Stanley brings up. Now, you know you lived with your brother or your sister, right? What would it take for them to convince you that they're God? <laughs> right? Like, they know every intimate detail about you. Like, they know what kind of person you are, how you were when you grew up, the things you said and did, the, who you are. James, who didn't believe in Jesus, all of a sudden says, hey, my big brother is God. And goes on to be one of the leaders in the, in the early New Testament church, writes a, uh, the, the letter of the book of James. He's, he's full in. What would it take for your sibling to convince you that they're God. And, and we're not talking just convinced like, okay, 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 I guess you're God. No, to the point where they would, they would die on that truth, a martyr. That standing before kings and before uh, courts of the day and being flogged and persecuted and going destitute and hungry and chased around the known world and eventually martyred for their faith. To convince them to that degree that your sibling is actually God. For some, that's testimony enough. Like, I know I would know whether my brother or my sister was God or not. I lived with them. So we have Jesus identifying himself as God, we have the apostles identifying himself as God, we have Jesus' own brother identifying himself or calling him Lord and God. And then we have the things that Jesus did. Jesus did what only God can do. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Read people's minds. Right? The other miracles like turning water into wine, rebuking a storm so the waves calm down, feeding 4,000 people, and then again 5,000 people with, with one boy's lunch. Go on and on and on and on. Just Jesus doing the things that only God can do. There's other things that you can look into. There's eyewitness testimony. 500 people saw Jesus alive after he was crucified and buried. There's eyewitness testimony. There's the change in the disciples who were hiding and afraid and running for their lives to all of a sudden Jesus is alive. They turned powerful and all of them uh, gave their life to to teach and lead others in this truth. You have documentary evidence. You have uh, um, uh, corroboration. You have outside testimony. The the New Testament, not the New Testament, the early first century historian Josephus wrote about these things, uh, which gives credibility to the, bi- to the biblical narrative. So you, you have outside testimony. You have the existence of an afterlife. 
which I never really even considered this, there are over 30 million people between North America and Europe who have claimed to have an out-of-body experience. More than a hundred of them are documented in a medical journal as proven true. How does somebody have an out-of-body experience if there's no heaven and there's no God? And they describe Jesus and they see things and do things. So there's the existence of an afterlife. There's so much out there for you to get your hands around so that you can you can know this truth, you can explain this truth, you can believe yourself that you're not believing just anything. Let me wrap this up this morning. Church, we need to know. Now, I don't mean just know here, know here as well, that Jesus Christ is and was God. Your whole faith hangs on this. So if you're not sure, or if you don't know how to explain it, or why you're so sure, you need to learn. You need to research. You need to make, get yourself comfortable with this truth. Because if this, this one isn't true, then everything else you believe is a lie. Now, if you're not sure and you, and you don't know how, let me give you a few uh, really quick resources that you can go and read and understand. Um, probably a real popular and famous one right now is Lee Strobel. He he was a uh, um, he he was a journalist, an accomplished journalist who set out to prove his wife wrong. Because who wants to live with a crazy Christian, right? His wife became a Christian, and he was not, and he was angry, and I'm gonna go prove her wrong and. And in all of that, he couldn't find any, anything to discredit her. And it, it, it resulted in him getting saved. And so he wrote a book of what he investigated and his process and the things he found. And, and so it's a great resource for you to read. Um, uh, if, if reading's not your thing, at least you could watch the Hollywood rendition of it, The Case for Christ. I put... What happened? Slides, the TV shut off. It's on my screen, fine. There we go. Okay. What? <sighs> okay. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It's in my slides. I don't know why it's not able to show up. Who knows? It, it's, the, it's the trifecta black hole of preaching the gospel and technology acts up. Um, so Case for Christ, there's a Lee Strobel, S-T-R-O-B-E-L. He wrote a book called The Case for Christ. The book is way more in-depth and specific than the movie. Um, but, but again, if anything, watch the movie. It'll encourage your heart. It'll, it'll show you and prove that, man, like all this information that he, he went through, and it's, uh, the movie's called the same, The Case for Christ. Um, and then I don't know if this, if that one's active, will this one show? That one shows. Uh, so if you want to go a little deeper, look for some books by Dr. Gary Habermas. He's a, uh, PhD. He's been arguing the resurrection, uh, that it happened, that Jesus was actually God. Um, he's got 
more than two dozen books specifically just on the resurrection, and he's currently working on a 5,000-page book arguing that Jesus was, was God. He rose from the dead, and he's using um, the, 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 the platform and the approach that he's using are what modern critics use, the, the way they go about gathering data and writing about it. So he's, he's using... Um, He's using the same sources and the same technique that any uh, doctorate student person in the secular world would use in searching out anything. And uh, he's actually the person Lee Strobel sought out to interview. Uh, it comes up in his book and in his movie. I highly recommend uh, his books too if you want it to go really in depth um, and, and know the, all of the arguments around this. It shocks me just the number of arguments I didn't even know that existed. Um, so, Dr. Gary Habermas, his, uh, he's got several books. You can also go on YouTube and watch his debates or, or interviews he has with other people. And they ask, hey, can you explain what you mean by this or by that? And he'll go in and uh, it's fascinating stuff. Um, I, I, fully, uh, I fully endorse you going on and learning those things. Here's the point as we close. I know I've gone a little long, but this is important. As you seek to know and to understand this truth that Jesus is God, you have to understand that this is a mystery. Okay? It's a mystery. Uh, our human brains don't really fully know how to completely handle that. Like any mystery. Right? There's, there's a mysterious piece to it. And, and as with every mystery... You'll never have the answer to every single question that comes up about a mystery. Whether the mystery is, has to do with God or anything else in society or thought process, wherever. It, it's a mystery for a reason. But, let me encourage you with this way. Because sometimes people get hung up on one question they don't have answered. And, and, and they think it discredits everything else. There is enough evidence to convict Jesus as God. If you've ever sat on a jury, I did one time in my life, and I got to hear the arguments, and you go back to the debate room, and you go, I wish I had the answer for this question that never came up. I wish I had the answer for this. And inevitably you say, well, is there enough evidence that they're guilty, and you go, oh yeah, they're guilty. I just wish I knew these answers, but I don't. It's the same when we talk about the mystery of Jesus Christ as God. The evidence available to you and I so outweigh the few questions we don't have answers to that it convicts him as God. The rest, you apply faith. God bless you. We're done. I'm going to pray for you guys. I challenge you today. If you don't know in your heart of hearts that Jesus is and was God, that's a, that's a step in your faith. That's a, that's a, I need to go and learn. What are the arguments? What are the, and for some people, it's a, it's a feel thing. You're like, I don't, I don't need to know that, Pastor Steve. I just believe it and know it. It doesn't, I, you know, either way. It, we need to believe and know that Jesus Christ is and was God. 
He always was. He never was not. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, That's what all of this means. I encourage you to, to, to know this truth well. Um, and, and, and if you feel like you don't, to lend yourself. Nothing else in your faith could be more important if you're not confident in this truth. That, that's what I'm saying. Because, um, you know, uh, if you don't have this one down, uh, then, then the rest really are on shaky ground. This is the, the foundation. This is, this is a biggie. So let me pray for you this morning. Oh God, we thank you for for all of who you are. We thank you for the word, the son of God that that came uh, on a mission of love to this earth and became flesh. And and there were apostles, there were men and women who who walked with him and talked with him and, and touched him and heard him and reflected on him. And, and these have written accounts so that we can have faith. And I pray this morning, Lord, for everyone that's, that's in, in earshot of this sermon, whether they're live or they're online. Lord, I pray that this truth would be embedded deep into our mind and into our heart, that we would believe this as an absolute. And Lord, may we go even a step further. Would we be able to explain to those around us who ask, well, why are you so certain? Lord, may you give us the the, the answer to that question to the world around us. For, For this is the question that will be highly debated in this world. This is where the rubber will meet the road for many. Because if Jesus is God, then then there's a reckoning. There's a lot that we need to adjust. There's a lot that we need to change. There's a lot that we need to move forward to and embrace and whatnot. But help us, Lord, to know this truth. Help us to be able to articulate it to our friends, to our families. Lord, when we know this truth, the rest just like a puzzle. The pieces fit. Lord, I pray for anyone who has doubts, who's been pressured and thought and, 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 and enemies just attacked. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to them, Lord, that you would bring the right people, the right resources around them, uh, that your Holy Spirit would minister, that you would meet them divinely, Lord, and help this truth become a reality in their heart and mind. Lord, we thank you. We bless you this morning. We, we know that you love us. And Lord, it's our intent to love you in return. May you go with us today and, and be with us as, as we celebrate love, as we, as we go about responsibilities. Would you bring, keep us safe, Lord, and would you bring us back next week as we dig into John's firsthand account of the gospel and what you've taught him. Lord, we bless you in your holy name. Amen. Amen, church. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I know we, we don't hang out and all those kinds of things as of yet, but
but no, uh, um, if you reach out, email, text, church, call, um, we'll, uh, we're there for you. I'm there for you. So thank you so much. Have a great day. If you're with us uh, live here in the in-house, just, just remember we have the, um, the cleaning wipe there. If you can wipe down the hard surfaces in your area, that would help us tremendously. So uh, God bless you. We'll see you later.